You're listening to the Leadership Jam Session Podcast, the place where you'll get to hear leaders at all levels of management share their practical solutions to the management challenge you face every day. So let's get ready to jam. I'm your host, Rob Fonte. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Leadership Jam Session. Today's episode will consist of a panel discussion on the topic of how do you coach someone who lacks self-awareness? Now, last year, as I was working on the 2020 schedule of guests and topics, I sent out a request through social media on topics that you, the listener, would like for me to include in 2020. One of the themes that came back in was dealing with employees that lack self-awareness. So I put together a panel of seasoned leaders who I know are exceptional at coaching and helping employees become more self-aware. So let's introduce our panel. I have two guests with me today both having 20 years of healthcare industry experience, both also having six years of management experience. My first guest is Jennifer Caldwell, who has held leadership positions in sales, commercial training, planning and operations, and recently went out and opened up her own consulting firm. She is the president and founder of a strategic training design consulting firm. Jen, welcome to the show. Hi, Rob. Thanks for having me. My next guest is Paul Catanzaro who's held positions as a training manager and is currently a district sales manager. Paul, welcome to the Jam Session. Hey, good to be here. Hey, Jen. Hey, Paul. Are you both ready to jam? Absolutely. Let's jam. So for my listeners, part of the reason why I selected Paul and Jen is they are exceptional at at coaching. However, they also used to work together. In fact, Paul used to report into Jen. And I happen to know that they do have a story that they can share right out of the gate where Jen had to provide some coaching to Paul around self-awareness. Is that right, Jen? It sure is. I remember a a specific time at one of our national sales meetings, and we were wrapping up our daily debrief sessions and discussing what went well, what didn't go well, what we needed to work on, prepping for the next day. It had been a long day and a long week. And as we were giving our feedback, Paul provided his, and then he basically abruptly kind of picked up his materials and left the meeting because he had provided his feedback and he was kind of done with the day. All right. So, so just so I understand. So in this meeting, Paul, you just kind of got up and left and Jen, you were still, you weren't done with your meeting yet. So others still were discussing and talking about what was going to happen the next day and and what workshops we needed to kind of refine. And, and Paul felt like he had um, provided his commentary, feedback, was ready to go, and didn't need to um, spend any more time with us that evening. Oh, interesting. Paul, if that was me, I would have just fired you right on the spot. And I, you know what? I probably deserved it. I was uh, <laughs> Seacrest out at that point. And uh, <laughs> looking back on it, you know, it was, it, 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 it's a great learning experience for myself. But it's really helped me coach others because it was such a – you know, lack of self-awareness. Here we are talking about leading with self-awareness and being able to coach people. And right then in that moment, in front of colleagues and in front of Jen, who was, who was my boss at the time, I, I did everything to exhibit what, what the lack of self-awareness looks like. Because, you know, I left the room and, and then without any regard to the impact it was going to cause to, one, to, to her leadership role or to and to my colleagues around me who, you know, we were a team and we were working together uh, support of that meeting. So, Complete that lack of self-awareness on my part, but a great learning opportunity. Uh, Jen, h- how did you handle that? And, and again, just, just to clarify, 
So, Paul, you were in an individual contributor role. You weren't managing people at that time. That was earlier in your career. Exactly. I, I reported in the gen. I was in an outside trainer role that reported in to gen, and there were several of us that worked together in a time that reported up to gen. Okay. All right. So, Jen, how did you handle it? Basically, I could tell Paul's frustration and kind of um, need to leave the room at that point. But I really needed to continue to discuss and debrief with others on the team that were less experienced with Paul and still wanted to kind of talk through things in preparation for the next day. So we continued to work through things. And I told the group that I'd follow up with Paul and let's move on through because we still have topics to discuss and, and needs to be met. And I moved forward and decided I needed to pick the, the right time and set the right tone with Paul because I needed him to excel the rest of the meeting. So I um, kind of bit my tongue and focus on what I needed to focus on in that moment prior to having a discussion with Paul. I give you a lot of credit for just continuing to you know, lead the meeting. So what happened next? So I, I can say from my point that Jen did a great job with that in a circumstance like that that could have just been detrimental to the team dynamics because of something that I did. And she talked about space and time, and it was just perfect leadership example of how to handle that situation. And it allowed me to step away and realize what a bonehead move that was on my part <laughs> and, and how disruptive it could have been long-term for our team. And so I, I approached Jim later and, and Jim was just great at listening and let me kind of give my, my apology, but more importantly, she, gave me very clear direction of, you know, you can't, can't do that. I mean, I can't, I, I can't, I can't have that. That's not helpful to the team, but a, a great example of like why and, and, and the why behind it. So it was extraordinarily helpful and great patience exhibited from somebody who I got a chance to continue to work for, thankfully, but more importantly, became a really good friend after that. So Jen, for my listeners, what, what techniques did you use in, in that discussion? I always kind of go back to asking questions and kind of leading someone to kind of find the answers on their own. So asking Paul at that moment, you know, what did that say about you as a member of the team? What did that say to me about me as the leader of the team? You know, where's the respect if you feel like you can just pick up and be done? I'm, I'm sure other people in the room may have not wanted to partake in the discussion any longer, but some people on the team needed that. And him being as a leader and experienced on the team, you know, I needed to rely on him to set that example. So a lot of really kind of insightful questions to kind of dig down and, and help Paul realize, which he came to a realization really quickly, as well as understanding the position he put me in as the leader of the team. I think that is a very important technique. You started the conversation by asking questions first. So what was really important in coming at this was time and tone. I needed to be able to have the time to have the conversation with Paul and ask him the questions and have the right tone so that we could work through this and he would be able to come to those decisionary points and self-reflection when he was in a place where he could think through it. Yeah, I, w I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I think this example is almost the definition of self-awareness and, and, and coming to that realization of like, oh, wow, okay. And, and so, you know, that example of just had, making that time to have the right conversation and then exhibiting that tone that sets the mood and then allows for both the leader and, and or the mentor and the mentee to actually kind of have the realization of both where they fit in that discussion and, and, and then the responsibility and accountability that's, that's kind of tied to it. So it, it was, 
it, it was amazing and it was a great example for me. And it actually, the whole concept of time and tone was really helpful as I moved through my career as a leader. And, and then I've used it several times because of that situation that, um, you know, I was able to experience with Jen. You both bring up a great point. As I talk about this in, in my workshops and when it comes to coaching and using several different techniques, half the battle is how you serve things up. And Paul, I'm curious now that you went on and in, in, in your career and you're now coaching people, did that experience impact you in terms of how you approach your employees? You know, it, it actually did. It, it, it was a great foundation to really set that going forward to how I dealt with instances where I would have to have similar discussions on self-awareness with people. And it, when I think about, you know, example or something that is reminiscent to, to just this, this very story we just kind of went over, it, it involves Chen again. Uh, we seem to can't get away from each other in our <laughs> careers. You know, when I was a manager, I had an employee that uh, reported into me from a sales position, and then uh, Jim was still in training. And I guess the employee became frustrated or uh, felt the need to send a, a, a very direct and pointed email to Jim with some questions around upcoming training that was going to take place. And it gave me an opportunity to have a great discussion with this employee and on a one-on-one uh, basis, so very similar to what you know, what Jen talked about with time and tone and, and the ability to question and, and allow that person to kind of come to the realization themselves. So just to clarify, you, you, you wait until you were with him live. Is that, is that right? Exactly. This was one of those opportunities that needed to take place face to face because of the nature of how the discussion needed to take place and the, the self-realization that needed to happen. And so then how did you approach it? I was able to sit down, ask them to read the email, and if they noticed anything about the email that, that would seem inappropriate, or if they had gotten that email, would it, anything set them off? Of course, they said no. Uh, and then as I slowly kind of walked them through it, the email, maybe certain sections, they were like, oh, okay, I, I see where, where that could be an issue, or I could see where somebody not knowing con- you know, intent could take that as being very aggressive or uh, very condescending. And so it was a really great self-actualization moment for that employee because it gave them the opportunity to kind of digest things and for them to come to the realization without me having to serve it up and and feed it to them. So it gave them the chance to to get to where they needed to be and gain that understanding. So I I think there's some consistencies, right? Or there's a consistent theme around timing from, from both stories. You know, if you think about it, some managers would have just uh, picked up the phone and, and, and called their employee or might have even forwarded the email back to their employee. Or, but, you know, you kind of took the strategy of you were going to be with your employee and you decided to wait and have that conversation in person, which probably was more effective. And obviously there are times when you don't have that ability. But it sounds like you also took the approach of, of first starting out by asking some, some good, insightful questions. The great thing about being one-on-one is it, it gave, afforded me the opportunity to really talk to that employee about, so what, is this, what does this say about you? What does this say about your brand? And, and I think that's critically important because whether we realize it or not, we all have a brand. And how that brand is out there to other people is really reflective of, of how you put it out there. So self-awareness is, is critical to position your brand in a, either in a positive or negative light. And so that gave me that opportunity to really kind of have that discussion and, and highlight that kind of philosophy around as our brand, what do we want that to look like? And so that was a great learning experience um, for one, for me as a coach, but for two, for that employee from a self-awareness standpoint. Yeah, I agree. Oftentimes when I have to coach somebody around a behavior of employees over the years, I 
took a similar approach speaking in terms or asking questions about the impact that that behavior is having on their brand. So again, for my listeners, you know, some of these techniques are simple when you really sit back and think about it by asking good, powerful question, timing, even the tone, how you serve it up. Obviously, it's much harder to do in, in real practice, and, and oftentimes we, we forget about some of these techniques, but they really do work when you take the time to, uh, to do it right. Let me just shift gears here because I hear a lot about coaching your high performers who might lack a little self-awareness in certain areas. And again, coaching high performers at times can be challenging when it comes to that. So I'm just curious, have you ever had a scenario where you had to coach a high performer around bringing some self-awareness to them. Jen, let's start with you. I definitely would say, you know, I had one where, um, who was a really strong player. She could be kind of polarizing to people because she was so very intense. And I, I know that I got this feedback on her when she was interviewing for a role. And she's one of those people that while she's really concentrating, she doesn't make eye contact. And the feedback came post the interviews that they were very direct very intense and their body language was very closed off. They didn't make good eye contact with the interview panel and some really kind of negative feedback just about how the person communicates in general. So this is someone who is typically, you know, top rankings in sales, has aspirations to do broader things in their career. And this could be really self-limiting if they're not aware of how they're coming across to people that don't know them as well. So I sat down with this individual face-to-face because I really felt like, you know, there's some very specific things that are innate to how they communicate that they needed to be aware of when they're in a situation where they're interacting with people that don't know them that well and also may not know their intent. So it's fair to say she didn't get the job, right? Correct. She did not get the job. So on top of that, then you had to provide her with some, some feedback. I definitely had to provide her with some very specific feedback. Communication style, body language, intent. We talked about how all of that came across to the interview panel and how it might come across to those that don't know you well. It was really shocking to this person because they've been a very successful salesperson for 15 plus years. However, no one ever told them how they were perceived. So how did she receive it? She was actually quite emotional about it because no one had ever told her. And she was so thankful that I actually gave her that direct feedback and that very specific feedback so that she could work on it. It's amazing how I I come across this a lot where I hear stories like this. It's important for our listeners out there to realize this, that oftentimes, particularly when you're new as a manager, you kind of shy away from giving feedback or you might approach it and give the feedback very light and dance around the issue of giving the real feedback and because that we're afraid of what that response might be, right? But what's interesting is in many cases, a lot of these individuals have never been coached. And just like in your case, it's the first time they're hearing of it. And this was obviously very much their style. So it could have been coached upon years ago. Okay. Very good. Paul, how about you? I can think of a a time where I had to be very direct with uh, a very tenured employee, been with the company a very long time and, and not been promoted to the level that they they really thought they should be promoted to and had had quite a little bit of baggage they were dragging along, but had had a recent run of several good years and had gotten 
through some of that, but still couldn't shake past kind of, uh, let's say, damages to their brand, as we talked about a little earlier. And so in our first interaction, when I, when I came, and, and now the difference here is, um, you know, I had a relationship with this person, so I was able to, to really come in there and just say, look, so this is what's on you. This is what you own. And if, if you want to get to where you want to be, then these are the things that have to change. And, you know, it's a hard conversation to have sometimes, but as leaders, the accountability that we, you need to have that conversation because people can't grow and, and move forward if, if they can't take ownership of part of their brand. I mean, it's, it's important. You know, we always say that feedback's a gift. Um, now, how you take that gift is up to you, but it's a, it's a great direction on that path to move forward. But they've got to take ownership of it. So it was a time to be direct in a little different different manner because this person wasn't going for something right away, but stuff had to change for them to achieve the goals that they really wanted to accomplish. And so it was very direct in, in, in spelling out what things had to change, what they owned, and what they had to be accountable for. I'm, I'm sure other managers have come through before you. have had similar conversations with this employee. I think there was a level of trust there, just that I had earned because of the relationship. So I was able to um, maybe be a little more direct, but that, that employee also knew that, that I had their best interests at heart and, and believed that. So that's a critical factor in, in that as well. So you knew the employee. Um, so you had a longer, longstanding relationship with, with exactly. that person. I, I think that's an, another important point, what I kind of call the trust continuum, also helps where they know where your intent is you could have a more direct conversation because of that. Would you agree with that, Jen, too? Is that fair? Definitely. I think when you have trust, you can have those really deep conversations that are difficult. Um, and that communication is really key. And what's important is for that individual to really know you want them to be able to move forward. You want them to be successful. And that's why you're sharing these very specific um, points of feedback with them is so that they can move forward and you believe that they are coachable. A lot of times the, the solution to helping people become more aware of things is as simple as actually having the conversation with them, providing them with specific feedback. I think oftentimes we kind of dance around it uh, and never really get to the root of what the issue is. I'm curious, Paul, in your scenario, I'm sure I've got some listeners sitting out there and saying, yeah, well, that, that makes sense you have a trusting relationship, it makes it easier to have that kind of conversation. But how would you approach it if if you didn't have that type of trust yet built? Would you approach it any differently or would you approach it the same? I think there, there are instances where regardless where you're on the trust continuum, the matter that comes up has to be dealt with. So if, if something comes up and it's egregious and, and you need to deal with it and while they might not digest it like you want them to right off the bat, it's something, it's that conversation and the responsibility as a leader that you need to sit down and lay it out there. Sometimes those conversations have to happen regardless of the level of trust involved. All right. So we're almost out of time. So let me just ask one more question. And, and this is related to the, the opposite type of employee, the employee that is either underperforming uh, or, you know, your problem child, if you will. So I'm curious to know, have you had any scenarios with those type of employees and, and how would you approach them? What you tend to run into is you get a lot of blame. So you, you get less accountability and, and more blame. There's always a reason why this, this isn't going forward or why I'm not successful. And there tends to be blame. And I, I think is when you coach in that situation, 
you, you have to make sure that you take that blame component off the table. And I, Jen has talked earlier in our discussions today, you, you've, you've got to make people come across the table and understand what their involvement is, what their piece is, because typically in a poor performance situation, people want to blame things. They want to blame the environment. They want to blame uh, customers. They want to do everything but take accountability of themselves. And so I think that's the critical piece that you really have to cross that bridge on is, is taking ownership. That's a great point, Paul, really. What's their role in this and making them understand it? And sometimes, you know, those specifics can kind of help them get there. Yeah, the blame game always comes up. You know, what's interesting with that is how that might also affect the team, that they're disruptive. Exactly. Like the team needs to know that you're taking a leadership stance and there needs to be that respect and leadership with those poor performers because they are impacting the team. I would agree with that. I think that it, it, that becomes one of those incidents where you can't really worry about if there's a level of trust built up, something of, of that nature that's going to be a, a wide impact from a negative standpoint to the team dynamics has to be addressed immediately. Otherwise, you lose your team as a whole. Any trust you built with the others disintegrates because they're sitting back wondering, well, are you going to do anything about this? Are you going to handle this situation? And, and so if that's not dealt with, immediately, then it can just be so disruptive to the overall team dynamics. And you as a leader. Exactly. Yeah, let's be honest. There's there's an expectation by the team that you're going to address it and handle it right away. Kind of comes back to the whole timing thing again. Yep, there are definitely times when things Agre- need to be dealt with swiftly. Agreed. I would agree with that. Yeah. And the, but the thing is, Jim made a really good point. You know, you have to deal with those. Not, not everything has a successful outcome. You know, it's almost like raising children. I mean, you still... You still got to correct the things that that go off the rails. It doesn't mean that they're going to keep going, not going to keep going off the rails. And maybe the same thing over and over, kind of almost like Groundhog Day. But you you still got to coach to it, and, and you still got to talk about how it affects the brand and 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 how the individual is accountable. But some people just don't grow. That's on them. But you you don't stop uh, with the coaching or with you know trying to help that self awareness come to light. I think that's the role of a leader is really to be that one that's giving that feedback, that honest feedback, that critical feedback and coaching for development. But again, sometimes some people aren't the right fit for the opportunity that they're in. Yep. Great point. It really is. Sometimes if, if they are unprofessional or immature, that's something that's probably not going to change. No. I mean, growth has to happen from within as well as from guidance from without. You can coach all day, but until individual personal growth happens, it, it may not change anything. So what do you do then? And you can't put up with that. Yeah. So what do you do then? You, you keep coaching. You don't stop. I mean, you, you keep coaching and you, you, you keep trying. And, you know, a brand is brands live for, for as long as employees around. And sometimes even uh, to a detriment, their brand can stay with the organization even after they've left the organization, you know, both positively and negatively. Jim mentioned this before. It's a leader's job, no matter what the situation, to, to continue to try to make that situation better for both the individual and the organization. And sometimes you got to turn up the heat and help them realize that maybe this isn't the right fit for them if that's how they're going to operate because we're not going to accept it. You definitely have to coach to the unprofessionalism and the lack of maturity and whether or not that person can change to work in that environment is up to them. But me as a leader, I needed to make them aware that their behavior wasn't acceptable. And if it didn't change, there wasn't going to be a place for them on my team. Yeah. Sometimes that's what people need to hear. 
Or there are times where after you've done everything you possibly could, you no longer own it. They do. And what happens next is on them. Absolutely. Yes, it is. I know we're wrapping up, but I, I once had an employee who uh, told the speaker after we were after a speaker program about smoking dope with his wife at a company event. And I, <laughs> I had to call him the next day. I couldn't even address it that night because it was so caught off guard. I didn't know what to say. And I had to call a couple of people afterwards. Like, I got to address this, right? And they're like, yep. And so the next yep. day I called him. I was like, look, I'm glad you feel comfortable sharing with me. But Wait a minute. Just so I understand, the employee told you this. In front of me and the speaker, like after this program, speaker and I and him, speaker's eating dinner. We're sitting with him. He, you know, just he's speaker's having a glass of wine. A younger guy he got on the topic of, you know, legalized pot. And then he just talked about, yeah, I was in Denver for the meeting and me and my wife got really stoned and uh, it was great. And I'm just sitting there like, so I immediately moved the conversation away. And then afterwards, he saw no problem with it. And this person and then <laughs> called him next day. I was like, you understand. Look, I'm really glad you feel comfortable sharing with me that you've developed a level of trust. But, you know, those are inappropriate conversations to have both with your manager, with an organization, and with especially vendors that aren't even associated with the company. So, I mean, you know, the last thing you want the vendor to do is go out and say, oh, yeah, so-and-so's a big old pothead. And you just can't have that. So definitely an awareness issue sometimes when people are after hours that they need to be conscientious of what they're saying. They're, they're still part of the company and a team and how the information that they're sharing is going to reflect back um, poorly yep. or positively and you know they need to be conscientious of what they're saying in a group environment definitely can impact their brand so so just to take yep. a, a step back as as incredible as that story is I, I do want to highlight a couple of uh important things you did because i myself would not have known how to address that and and i would have done exactly what you did you took a pause you didn't even address it you thought about it, and and I think this is an important technique that that a lot of you know young managers don't realize to take advantage of. You reached out and talked to other managers. Exactly. I mean, I had to uh, because I needed to get some insight, <laughs> you know, just to make sure what I was doing was going to be correct. Yeah. So again, I think that's another very helpful technique to leverage managers around you that you work with. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time, but I appreciate the both of you coming on and sharing your stories uh, about when you used to work together, which I think was very helpful for our listeners to hear, as well as some of the the approaches and techniques you use with with your employees over the years. Thanks again for coming on. Thanks so much for listening in today. If you're enjoying the podcast, then click the subscribe button, leave a review, and I'll talk to you soon on the next episode of the Leadership Jam Session Podcast.